Welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. The podcast is currently on more or less hold to accommodate the recordings for the daily community meetup. During this crazy time, I'm having daily meetings online via Zoom where we can all join and see each other on video and there's special guests. And so I thought I would post the replays here on the podcast so those who can't listen live can listen later. So here we go, continuing on with the daily community meetups. If you'd like to join, all you have to do is go to swimbikemom.com forward slash meet, M-E-E-T, swimbikemom.com forward slash meet, and you can join us any day of the week, 12 noon Eastern during the week, and weekends I'm doing 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday. So I hope you all enjoy this episode of the Daily Community Meeting. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. This guy, Mike Riley, you guys know him. Welcome back to the Daily Community Meetup, Mike. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me, and I'm, I'm really excited to see everybody, especially my two lovely sisters, my niece and my great niece are on. Hi, guys. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, there's so, the ones waving. Now we so there was a, there, remember, we said the thing, they could ask a question that I've, if I've never been asked oh. before, that's right. I'll, that's I'll, right. I'll send a book to them, but they're exempt. The sisters and the nieces are exempt. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Kathy, I'm looking at you. So there's no way. That's right. Okay, so that's the other rule. If you can ask Mike a question that he's never been asked, he said it's only happened to him twice in his life, and I was one of them. And I don't remember what the question was. Neither but do I. You, <laughs> it's probably best we keep it that way, right? Um, but if you think of one that he has not been asked, he will be honest Abe about it and give you a book. So that's cool. This book, by the way. Yay. Hey, by the way, right. you know, the, you, you, you've got this book, but oh. <laughs> you, you have two books, so you're ahead of me. And look at- You better get writing. I, I got to get to work. You're such a slacker, Mike. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All those 17 hours on Ironman courses, you could be writing. You would have like millions of books by now. But wait, isn't this, you're going to hit 200 this year. Well, I, I don't, I don't know Maybe. now. I mean, I don't know now. Oh, that was another question we can cover. So let's go ahead and talk about yeah. the knowledge that you know about what's happening with races. I'm in the same boat everybody else is. Ironman is, you know, the executive team are daily having conversations about the events and, and talking to the communities. And that's the number one thing they're doing. They're talking to the communities, to the city, the state. Uh, and, and we no longer have any events, I think, through May. Uh, there may be one in May, but I'm not sure which one. But I know the Ironmans that I was doing are canceled through May. Ironman Ireland is still on in June, but I'm sure we're going to hear about that pretty soon. And then I, I was thinking my first one might be Ironman Lake Placid in July. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. But let's just hope we we start sometime in the in the future. 
let's hope we yeah. start sometime in, in 2020 this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my friend, Kathy, I don't know if she's my friend, she's my friend now, has a question. Kathy, you are unmuted. Well, that's okay, not maybe, Kathy. <laughs> maybe Kathy didn't have a question. All right, Kathy, you're muted. <laughs> All right, anyone else have a question? All right, Lisa, you are now unmuted. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, good. Hi. Thank you for doing this, Meredith, and very nice to meet you, Mike. Um, I am actually um, an Ironman volunteer, and I've done Ironman Boulder and Ironman Arizona a number of times. What can we volunteers do better to make the race better? You want my honest opinion on that? I do. I, I, I don't think anything. You're giving, volunteers give their most valuable asset to those athletes, and that's their time. I, I praise the volunteers everywhere I go because to stand out there and do what you guys do all day long, all night long, and I, I want you to know what the athletes think of that. They look forward to it more than they, uh, or as much as they look forward to seeing their family, to seeing volunteers. So, you know what? I, I think the best thing a volunteer can do is just keep smiling, be happy. People are hurting out there. They, part of the race course, you know, it's, it sucks. They're having a tough day. And, and like any journey, you're going to help them get to the finish line as, as a fellow man. And so you volunteers are just absolutely amazing. I, I commend you. I could... I could actually write a book about volunteers and some of the things I've seen over the years yeah. of what they've done with people they don't even know. It, they've met them for the first time. And friendships, amazing friendships between athletes and volunteers have been forged over the years where someone met someone on the course. There's actually been a few wedding ceremonies from volunteers to athletes of helping somebody out on the course. So uh, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Uh, it's it's very special. Kokua, well, Kokua crew. Kokua <laughs> is volunteer in, in Hawaiian. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And one of the best things is meeting volunteers in the change tent for the first time. <laughs> That's where you really bond. <laughs> it's over wet naked bodies in the change tent. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, I think it was at Lake Placid, and this is way too much information, but it's never stopped me before. Um, at Lake Placid, or maybe it was Louisville, I don't know. I had just like stripped my pants off, and someone from way across the tent was like, Meredith that one and starts waving, and I'm like, oh, I have no pants on. <laughs> and now everyone turns to me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're all friends here in Iron Man. All of us are friends. <laughs> okay, we've got a question. Where did it go? Oh, from Michelle. My friend, Michelle, what is your favorite location to travel to for a race? Uh, Michelle, hi. My favorite location to travel to. It's really the next event I'm going to. I, I love every one of the venues that we're in, but obviously places like Kona, New Zealand is very special. Lake Placid is special. Uh, it, you know, the location when you go and you take a vacation or you take a holiday, you go to a place that's a beautiful place. But when we come into an Ironman community, no matter where that location is at, it's a beautiful pay place because of the people, because who you're surrounded with, like the volunteers we just talked about, the athletes, the, the work crew. It's my second family of going there and seeing everybody. So when I get on site at a location somewhere in the world, that is such a beautiful place to me because of who are filling it up. 
Are, are those your kids? Somebody's yelling at the kids. <laughs> no, hold on. <laughs> hold on. I'm going to mute everyone that way. No, I try and mute myself when I yell. Eat your kids. dinner. What's wrong with you guys? Stop bagging around upstairs. But dad, dad, it's pizza three nights in a row. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Beth, my friend Beth, what is the most interesting dish you've eaten while traveling? That's a good question. The most interesting dish? Yeah, I've eaten like food, not actual plate. <laughs> God, it was it was Iron Man Frankfurt and Rose. My wife was there with me. We went out with Robbie Little, who has the the uh, finisher picks, the picture company that takes the photos of everybody. And we went to a uh, a restaurant which was outside, and they served us. I think it was a pork with the biggest bone sticking straight up out of it. You could have put a, a sparkler on the end of this thing. And I, to this day, I mean, Robbie could tell me what it was, but it was tasted delicious. Uh, but it was one of the most interesting dishes I had. I, I you know, it, it, it was ordered for me, which scared me in the first place, <laughs> but, but it was pretty good. That's funny. That's funny. Okay, Jordan, if you could give one piece of advice to a first timer, what would it be? Oh my gosh, go out there and have fun. You know, you put in the time and the training. I know you're nervous. You're doing something you've never done before in your entire life. Maybe you've put those miles or kilometers in while you're training. But when race day comes, you've got to be the one to calm yourself. The, the, even though you see veterans who have done 10, 15, 20 Ironmans, they're nervous also. They know they've done it before. But the tough part about that is some have done it and then failed the second or third time. But you're out there fresh. So you just go out there and have an absolute blast. Paula Newby Frazier, who won eight Ironman Hawaii's, said it one time she got up at a ceremony and she goes, you know, in front of athletes, she said, I don't know what everybody's nervous about. You're out there with 2,500 of your good friends on a long training day and it's fully catered. What more could you ask for? So that's how you look at it. You're just going out there with your friends on a catered event and uh, have fun. That's the way I look at it. I'm just there for the cookies. I told someone that um, at like mile 22 at an aid station um, at Louisville, um, some volunteer, he was like, would you like cookies? I'm like, that's all I came for. He, I, he, I heard him laughing for like a quarter of a mile. <laughs> he thought that was the funniest thing ever. But if you can enjoy the buffet, you know, and have a good time, it really, really does lighten the load a little bit. All right, Kathy, um, I'm going to unmute you now. This is your final opportunity. So hopefully you're there. Okay. Are you there? Hear me. There hear me. we go. Hi, Kathy. Hey. Hi. I am new to the sport, um, and I'm wondering, how did you get started in um, Ironman? Oh, gosh. I, uh, I was always involved with triathlon in the early days in San Diego in the late 70s and early 80s. And and a lot of my friends were going over to Kona doing the Ironman. That's when the race only had, you know, 180, 200, 300 people in it. And uh, I really wanted to go over there. So I decided, well, I'm going to start training for it. And this was in the mid 80s because I was doing triathlons. But then uh, at uh, early 1989, I got a phone call to come over there and announce it because I'd been announcing races in Southern California. So my first Ironman was 1989 in Kona. And I wanted to do that race, but I've been on the microphone ever since. So I say I've had the best excuse in the world not to do the Ironman <laughs> because I'm working them. So that's how I got started. Love and it. good luck to you. Good luck to you. Keep it up. Thanks, Kathy.
All right, we have a question from Kelly. I am unmuting you. Hi. Hello. Um, my first Ironman is scheduled for July at Lake Placid, so I hope to see you there, Mike. I, oh, no. That's one of my goals to hear you say my name. So um, what do you do to prepare for the day? So, you know, as athletes, we know what we do to prepare for that day, but what do you do to prepare for that 17-hour day? You're there, out there. I saw you last year. I volunteered at Lake Placid, and you were there on that stage all day and all night. What do I do to prepare? I was, I was born Irish. <laughs> that, that helps. So I can, I, can, I can put the words out there and the BS out there. Uh, no, I, 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 I do a lot of preparation of reading the database and getting to know the stories and the backstories of everybody on, on the what is your story part. Uh, and I don't memorize the names, but when they come up on the, on the screen in front of me on race day, I've read it before, so it's more familiar to me. That's really the preparation I do. On race day, I don't scream and yell. I let the speaker system do the work. The sound guys know me very well. If the voice is getting uh, beat up towards the end of the day, they know what to do with the sound system to keep me going. And so it's, people always ask, how do I prepare? And I, I I try to stay in shape when I'm not obviously, you know, stay in shape so you can get through those days. And, and then just like you, I get to the day and go, okay, there's going to be some unbelievable memories made today. And, and we all get to be a part of it together. So that's, that's what it's like. That's what it, that's how I prepare. Very cool. Um, we have a question on the chat. What do you think, this is from Patty. What do you think of people being able to qualify for the 70.3 worlds in a virtual race? Well, hi, Patty. Can they do that? I don't know. That's why I'm like, wait, do we not know? What is this? <laughs> I, I, that's the first I've. If Mike uh, doesn't know, it doesn't exist. Next question. Uh, that's the first <laughs> I've heard about that. I know Ironman's going to be putting out a virtual training, virtual race uh, platform. I think that comes out on April 4th. But, uh, okay, my first reaction to be able to qualify in a virtual race for a championship? Nah. Uh, I don't, I don't watch Iron Man now. Let people, you know, I don't, but I, I don't. You're fired, Mike. You know, you got to be out there. You got to be out there amongst everybody. And, you know, if this lasts a year and something terrible happens and that's all we can do, I can understand. But let's, let's just hope we're all out there in it together, side by side, shoulder to shoulder. Um, Judith is asking the question, have races ever been canceled to this extent like now? And I would wager a bet that nothing has happened to like the circumstances of now. So no. that answer is probably no, but no. Um, only individual events because of weather and things like that, but not, not to this magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's no other questions. So if you have any questions, go ahead and um, raise your hand. Let's get some video questions. Those are awesome. Um, but I will ask you something, Mike. In your book, you tell the stories of a lot of amazing, inspirational people. Do you have a favorite? I know you don't have a favorite person, but do you have a favorite story from your book that you could share with us? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a favorite story. There's stories in the book that I even always go back to. I, like, I picked it up the other day and I actually read a bit of a piece of the book on a Facebook Live broadcast. and. Uh, there's, 
you know, the, the Grace story is a story I'm very close to because of mom and dad and the relationship I have with them. Uh, Joe Kosky, she just emails me all the time. Joe Kosky went through some serious, was incarcerated for seven, eight years because of five DUIs, was bipolar, was doing things that were unimaginable with her life. Very, very bright person, great athlete. And, uh, but she pulled herself out of it. Funny coda to that story with Jill. I knew she was doing Ironman Wisconsin a few years and she had just gotten out of jail and she's doing Ironman Wisconsin. So I wanted to meet her and just sit and chat with her. So I got a hold of her and we texted each other. I said, Jill, can you meet me at the finish line in Madison? They're building it right now. It was two or three days before the race. They're building the finish line. That's where I'll be. There's a bench right there, a city bench on the street. So I see her walking up and seeing pictures of her. So we hugged each other. We sat down on the bench and I said, I'm so excited to meet you and everything. She goes, Mike, did you plan where we were meeting right here? And I go, well, yeah, it's right here at the finish line. She goes, no, behind us. And then it hit me. I didn't even have to turn around and look. The city jail is right there at the finish line in Madison. And here she just got out of jail for eight years and I meet her in front of one. That's why I asked her to meet. She goes, oh, that's real nice. I go, no, 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 I didn't mean it. That. And she was <laughs> laughing about it. And so, uh, you know, with every tough heartache story that's in the book, there's a serious silver lining. Some of the people in the book are still going through some tough times, but they know there's a, uh, a road that they can go down and choose it correctly and, and have other people help them. So there's really no one particular story, but when I go back and read a few of them, uh, they, they take me back and they, uh, they help me heal of things I need to do better. Yeah. All right. We have a question from Melissa. I am unmuting you. Hi, Hi Melissa. So my question for you is when you're racing, is there a certain mantra that you use over and over in your head? Something that's motivating to you that you just constantly repeat? I, I don't race as much as I used to, but if I'm out for a, say a long training ride or whatever it may be, I, you know what I, I, I think about, I, I've always been in that part, well, gosh, you know what? I, I'm out front and everybody's behind me. I'm, I'm winning the race here. This is so cool. <laughs> you know, I'm on a training ride by myself. And then when it starts really getting tough, I think what people do is, I've had a lot of athletes tell me they start thinking about their loved ones. They start thinking about the people that support them. They start thinking about the people throughout their lives that have mentored them and given them a right direction. Uh, and that seems to help everybody through. You know, we've all got, family and friends that have helped us get to where we are today. You can never discount that. And uh, if you got great siblings and aunts and uncles, moms and dads, and they support you, you think about them because their love for you will get you to the finish line. Yeah. Mike, I got a question um, in the chat from Jessica. Given the changes that have occurred, and you touched on this in the last slide, but I don't think we quite covered it here. Will there be a change in your personal race schedule? Like if you're still, if you're scheduled for Florida, will you still be going to Florida? Like how will that work? Yeah. As a matter of fact, Oceanside's been changed to a, another date. I'm available then. So I'll do that. Ironman St. George was changed to a date. I think in September, I can't remember. I'm doing that. So yes, wherever, if a, if a race changes now uh, to a date I can do, 
I, I'm going to do it. Uh, so the second half of the year, if, <laughs> if all goes well, could be a busy half of the year. But yes, that's my intention to be wherever I can be at the races I had uh, originally scheduled. Okay, Jessica, you are up. Let me try and unmute you. You're good. Thank you. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Mike. Hi, Hi Jessica. Hi. Um, so I have not yet purchased your book, but plan to, but keep going back and forth about whether or not to buy the hard copy or let you listen to, let me listen to your voice, tell the stories in your book, because I heard that the audio book is your, your voice. Is that true, Mike? Yes. Yes, it is. So help me decide. Well, I can help um, you. I can help you. No, me. You'd buy both. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's the correct answer for any author. You buy the Kindle, the audio, and the paperback. <laughs> I, I say, you know, the audio book, I think you'll enjoy listening to that. And then if we're together one day in the future, you, you bring the book and, I, and I'll be able to sign it. I can't sign the audio. Okay. So. Well, you know, I'm the, attempting the, my first Ironman in Lake Placid this summer, if it happens. Good. So hopefully I'll be there and I can get it signed by you. Well, I will be happy to do that and, and enjoy the audio book. It was, I tell people the audio book, I went into a studio, actually a studio where Blink-183 recorded, a lot of bands <laughs> record. It's here in San Diego. Uh, they, they threw me into a room with an engineer, a producer in my ear, an engineer doing the thing. Uh, and I, I started at two in the afternoon. I go, ah, I'll crank this thing out. It took two days and 19 oh, wow. hours. It was one of the single hardest things I ever did because I'd start reading a story and I'd come by a sentence and I'd forget the word like as the, and the director would go, Mike, Mike, stop, stop. And I'm, what the hell you stopped me for? I got a flow going here. And <laughs> she goes, well, you missed as the in the sentence. You got to hit the words. And uh, so after a while, Lee Gruenfeld, my writer, was there in the room with me, and I said to him, I go, Lee, if it sounds good, can we just keep flowing? You know, I wanted him to make that decision, not somebody who didn't know the story. I mean, this director did a great job, but, and we did. We started flowing, so we got it done, but in between takes, I was doing downward dogs, push-ups, anything <laughs> I could do to get myself back up. <laughs> It's surprisingly strenuous because oh. you can't, you can't move like, because the mic is so sensitive. I mean, I went through the same thing when I recorded mine and I had a ruthless producer. I mean, same thing. She stopped me for every single word that got wrong. And the irony of it was when my audiobook came out, the production company made a boo-boo like eight hours into the book where they had someone talking in the background. Oh, God. And so I sent that to my publisher. I was like, oh, it's real interesting that you guys are busting my balls <laughs> for <laughs> words like the, and then you guys can just chit-chat on the, on the you know, production version. <laughs> it's really tough. Okay, good. We got a question. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Jessica. Um, a question for Mike. If you could connect or reconnect with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would that person be and why? Oh, right away. My mom and dad. They're gone to reconnect with them. That would be uh, pretty awesome. Because at my age now, I would probably treat them differently as a lot of us would, you know, and you can go back. Uh, I had a couple of friends in high school who aren't with us any longer, and, and I'd love to be able to reconnect with them. But uh, 
it's funny over the last it's during this uh, i've been on text threads where i see all these numbers and i go who is this ends up being old high school friends and buddies from college that are reconnecting that I hadn't even thought about in 20 years, 25 years. So uh, this has been bringing people together. I, I think I understand where the question's coming from. It's been bringing people together because uh, we're valuing our life. We're valuing and cherishing uh, everybody in it, even though they're not with us and amongst us. So we're all kind of going back and hey, I want to talk to so-and-so. I'd like to, and I've been doing that. I've been sending messages to people I haven't talked to in a long time. So it's, thanks for that question, but we, yeah. we're doing that. That's a good question. Okay, um, I did see one question, but I feel I'm going to hold off on that one because I feel like it's going to take us down. Like we're going to all start crying. So what <laughs> is the, we're going to just pause that one. But what is the most memorable Iron Man finish you've ever seen? Oh, that's a hard question for Mike. Oh, yeah. Most seen, memorable. Seen so many. I know what my greatest call ever was. Yeah, this out is of, a good one. Do this out one. Of, <laughs> out of times that I've said those four words. I have one that stands above them all. It's, it's the last chapter of my book. It's funny, I, I wanted to, when we were doing the book, where to put the chapters, you know, and, and Meredith, you've experienced this, if you're an author out there, how to sequence them. Mine didn't need to be sequenced because it's a different story to a different story, different story. But where I wanted to put this chapter was really kind of up front. And Lee, my writer says, no, you, you gotta save this one for last because, it's your best call. It's your first and best call, you know? And I go, okay. So I did. And that, uh, the best call I ever made was to my son, Andy, when he finished his first Ironman. Nothing. And nobody, nobody's going to blame me for, oh, what do you mean? It wasn't me, Mike? What the <laughs> heck? You know, or, or, a, or a world champion, you know, Jan Fredino going, hey, dude, you called me a world champion three times and I wasn't the best. Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, you weren't. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, Michael Bryant says, Mike, I just want you to know how much Ironman has meant to me in this time of uncertainty. I find the skills I've learned racing about staying in the moment are so valuable. Thank you, Michael. And Michael, thank you for your message the other day, buddy. Stay strong. Keep it up. Have you, let's see, have you ever participated in an international Ironman where they don't speak English? What's that like? Wondering how it would be as an athlete. I, uh, well, applause and cheering are universal. You can, you know what's coming your way with that. Ironman Frankfurt, when I called that race, I've been there a couple of times, I called it once. I actually said to the race director and a few of the uh, people working the race, I said, all right, I, I can say you are an Ironman in German. When I, oh, no, 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 Mike, do not do that. You say you are an Ironman because that's what I say in Kona. So, uh, but so at all the international races, they say you are an Ironman for the most part. So it's, uh, it's universal. You, it doesn't matter if you understand the language, you know what's coming your way. Those cheers and the applause. And so don't dissuade yourself from going overseas to Europe to do a race because they don't speak English. And, and most everybody speaks English. We're the ones that can't speak any languages. They're the ones <laughs> that's that <can't>. right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I've got a question for you. How has being a grandparent, how has being a papa changed your life? 
Papa. That's what they Papa. say. Papa. Oh, it's changed my life. It's changed my wife's life. I don't know. It's like, you know, when we had kids and Meredith, you've got the kids, but when all of us and my brothers and sisters, I was the last of the six siblings to have a grandchild. So they all would say, Oh, you wouldn't believe it. You and it's unbelievable. And, and wait till you have grandkids. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. My kids, you know, you just kind of, because, because they're telling me that, you know, but then all of a sudden when our grandson was born and I held him for the first time, I, it's, I actually told my kids, the grandkids are better than you guys. <laughs> this is, this is the best. So, and they, they're so pure, you know, it takes, it, it takes you back as a parent. I sometimes would be holding my grandson and call myself daddy to him. Like I'm holding Andy, you know, Andy's now 33 or old and Aaron who's 36. And it just takes me back to like, I was a daddy. Uh, so it's, it's wonderful. It's the best. I just, I, I can't think of anything better. I really can't. All right. We've got a question from, I think it's, it's Jill. It, there's a Jill with an S on it, but Jill's. Jill's. <laughs> My last name. <laughs> okay. Oh, hi. 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 Um, so my question is, is I know all the events are great, but do you have any that you'd recommend for first timers? I'm working my way to get to do one. Well, if you are looking for a first time race and you say, okay, I can't, I, I, I'm not riding a lot and I can't ride hills. You take a look at a Florida course or a flat course. If you don't want to travel out of your area, and I'm a big proponent of this. If there's, a, if there's an Ironman within five hours of your house, you do that one. It just takes right. so much stress out of your life. You can put all your gear and stuff in the car. You don't have to travel with a, a bike bag on the plane. And, you know, you, you, just, you just go travel there. You drive and you relax while you're driving. You get there, you go to the hotel and you got your car and everything in it. You really don't forget anything when you're driving because you throw everything but the kitchen sink in there, things you don't need. But, but what the <laughs> heck, it's in the car. So that's... I always say if you've got one within five, seven hours of your house, uh, choose that one because it'll take a lot of stress out of your life. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's why um, I did a, well, for my half Ironmans, that's why I did Augusta like five times because it was, you know, a three hour drive. You, you almost can't say no. Just keep going Placid, back. that was only, Placid's only what, like four or five hours from you? Right? Now, yeah, now I keep thinking, yeah. oh, I wish I could go to Lake Placid. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like right there. <laughs> that's like when people kept asking me to come to Canada on my book tour. I was like, Canada, that's absurd. And then I was having dinner with a bunch of people in Pennsylvania and they're like, you know, Canada is like 30 minutes away. <laughs> I'm it like, is. oh my gosh, I keep thinking I'm in Georgia still. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Does anyone else have any questions? I guess we can go back to this, this one question now that we're a little we're laughing um, and now I'm losing it. But I think the summary of, of it is you're still very like immersed in active, being actively involved and in, in calling all the Ironmans. But do you think about your legacy and like where you want to be in five and 10 years and basically who's going to be replacing you? Because we want to know if we're still going to be in the sport if they pick wrong. <laughs> no, no, and no. No, no, I, no. I, my next event is the one that I'm thinking about. I, I don't think about two or three years from now. Or, sure, people are thinking about it more for me because I've been doing this for 32 years on, with the Ironman and longer than that with everything else. And, 
And uh, so I, the, the thought has entered my mind a few times, but I just go race the race, you know, 2020 is on the schedule. Uh, 20, we're talking 2021 on the schedule. So I, I don't know. And legacy is, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a hard one because I believe one's legacy is judged by others, not yourself. You know, if, if, uh, you know, if you're able to bring joy to someone else's life with what you do, uh, that's fantastic. That, that gives me more pleasure than anything else to see somebody just light up, stand up straight, put a smile on their face that's a mile wide when they're coming into the finish line because they heard their name and they know what's coming after that. So it, uh, and, and that moment for them lasts the rest of their lives and it lasts the rest of my lives. So right now, I want to keep doing that as long as I physically and mentally can. When I'm up there and I've got an oxygen tank next to me, you can send me home, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably still be dancing more than most of us could, Mike. Um, all right. Does anyone else have any questions? Make sure you, you ask them while you got Mike going. So what is the most important thing on race day? Oh, gosh. Making sure I... I my goals are race day. One, take care of the athletes. Two, take care of the event. Three, be the voice of the race director. And four, let the family and the friends and the spectators know they're going to have a day in front of them they won't believe. So I, I have those four goals at every race. And, and taking care of the athletes is always first and foremost to me. You know, when I'm at a, a race with the pros in it, and watching these pros just are it's amazing our, our professionals they work so hard and the things they do to put in the time sure they're generating a, an income and a living from it just like we do when we go to work so and 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 to see them come in and do what they do it's amazing but then after that last maybe female pro comes in and then the age groupers start coming in i think to myself all right baby here we go. It's rock and roll time until the midnight hour. These age groupers have backstories I don't even know about. And we want to make sure we take care of them every step of the way. That's why I love to call everybody coming out of the water. I love to see them on a hot corner, like halfway on the bike course in Placid or someplace else and say their name as they come flying by on the bike. And, you know, people try to wave. They're on tri bars. And, no, no, don't be waving at me. <laughs> and then bring them into the finish line. So, uh, that's what I, that's what I think about just keeping everybody safe and, and making them happy. Yeah. Well, you always have such a positive attitude. So how about this question? What is something that really ticks you off? Like what ruffles Mike Riley's feathers? For me, it's a bag of potato chips and people chewing with their mouth open on an airplane right next to me. So that's like my thing. So what ruffles your feathers? Well, there's all kinds of things that, you know, can we ask your wife? Is she available? In, in, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Inconsiderate drivers, you know, stuff, things like that, that peeve me off. But you know, it gets to me at a race. So two or three people are coming into the finish line. And I'm not going to say what sex this is, whether it's male or female, but there'll be a couple of people coming in and all of a sudden somebody's got to sprint in front of the other one and, and get in front of their picture, which it doesn't really mean anything. I know the adrenaline goes and it gets rough. I've even seen people kind of elbow others at the, at the finish line and move them 
and uh, they've heard it from me like right away. And I've had them turn around and mouth to me, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell are you doing, buddy? You knocked her, you can't be doing that. So it, it, that, that kind of gets to me because I think people let the adrenaline get the best of them and they don't think and they, and they just kind of bump into each other at the finish line. So uh, be courteous. And when I, when I start seeing somebody sprinting, it's usually somebody 30 and under. They start sprinting into the finish. I go, hey, 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 slow down, enjoy it. And they do right away. They go, oh, yeah. Why, why am I sprinting now? I, I've been walking half the race. So. Yeah, yeah. That's a so great point. Th that kind of gets to me at the, at the finish line. But. So here's a question from Mary Jo. Besides racing and volunteering, are there other ways to get involved with the Ironman Foundation? Oh, yes. Uh, you can go to the Ironman Foundation and uh, join, be a part of the team. You can actually uh, raise money on behalf of the team or an athlete. The Ironman Foundation, you, you can think about it, guys. We go into communities all over the world, and we bring 2,500, 3,000 athletes in, all these bikes. We shut down their roads on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. We strain the city services because we need a lot of police out there. We need ambulances and all that. And we're, we're, we're uh, it's tough, an Ironman in a community. So what the Ironman Foundation does is go back into that community and build homes that have been torn up by a hurricane. We go in there and uh, go to schools and do a lot at the schools. The Ironman Foundation build swimming pools in some areas so the kids have a place to swim. So that's what the Ironman Foundation does. It puts money back into the communities we go into year after year. We just don't want to go in there, leave a big footprint and leave and not leave anything behind. So yeah, you become part of the Ironman Foundation. You can even choose that community you'd like to be a part of where that money goes to. Thanks, Mike. Um, Ralph sent a message. How do you decide? Ralph, R-A-L-P-H. Oh, I thought, I thought it was Rousey. I thought it was a buddy of mine. <laughs> oh, you know Rousey? Do I know Rousey? I go back. Yeah. The crazy man, Mike Rousey. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Mike Rousey. Book? He showed up at my book signing in Texas. <laughs> zero. Yeah. He wrote zero to 60. Yeah. yeah crazy he, Rousey. I didn't know that was his nickname. Crazy. That sounds about right though. Yeah. That's Mike. <laughs> um, how do you decide? This is Ralph, not Mike. Um, but how does he, uh, how do you decide which Ironman events you cover? That's the tough part because there's so many of them now. I, uh, at the beginning of the year, I'll tell you some secrets right now on this podcast. I'll always go to Lake Placid. That'll always be in my schedule. I'll always go to New Zealand. That's going to be in my schedule. I'll always go to Kona. Obviously, that'll be in my schedule. Wisconsin's one I've never missed. Uh, what else have I missed? I've never missed uh, Lake Placid. What, what have I missed? Arizona, that'll always be in my schedule. And then I'll always do one overseas during the summertime. And then I start picking and choosing in between there on the other ones. Just if I, uh, and now Ironman doing races every other year, you know, St. George is happening this year, but next year Ironman Coeur d'Alene. So I'll go to Coeur d'Alene. And I always like going to the first time races. So Tulsa, first year race uh, this year, I, I was going to, I'm going to go to Tulsa. And uh, so I always like going to the first one. So that's how I choose. I can only do 13 or 14 Ironmans in one year. I like to keep it to like 12 because sometimes there's two in a row and 
it's not it's not being at the race or on site it's the travel and all the bs of getting back and forth and coming home and i, I don't like being home uh, uh, gone from home two consecutive weeks i just don't like doing that so uh, that's how i choose yeah is there anything specific that you, uh, Lisa's asking, is there anything specific you like to eat or drink? Like what is your hydration and race day strategy? You know, usually you? Lisa, usually I, I mean, I eat very well when I'm on race day. I'm an utter pig. I'm a sugar pig. I'm a, it's a joke. I'll, I won't eat breakfast. I'll have a bar or something at a cliff bar or whatever. And then uh, about 12 or one o'clock, I, I start getting this. I go, Where's the cookies? Where's the cookies at? <laughs> Somebody bring me some cookies. And I'll start having cookies. And once in a while, I, I, I try to get some protein in about 6, 7 o'clock. If the VIP thing's got some uh, beans there or meat, I'll eat that. But then from that to midnight, I'm like, give me a Coke. I never drink soda ever. And I'll go, I could kill for a Coke right now. And so I, I don't eat that well on race day. It's just, I guess I'm so sugared up, it keeps me going. Huh? That, that's my secret, I guess. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Does anyone? Oh, what do you do for bathroom breaks <laughs> on a 17 hour day? <laughs> I pee in a Gatorade bottle. What do you think I do? <laughs> I have done that, but now that the stages are lower, I, I run off as fast as I can go and come back. Uh, and then whoever my second announcer is takes over. I've actually been in the porta potty with my uh microphone my wireless <laughs> microphone in my hand and i'll hear tom zebart say somebody's name and i know who it is and i know they want me to call him an iron man tom will say their name and from inside the porta potty i'll scream out those four words and people are going where the hell's riley i don't even see him and he's saying it so, you know <laughs> it's a good time good that. thing that the porta potty doesn't have a flusher <laughs> Well, no, yeah, I know. They're going, Mike's in an echo. What's going on with him? So, it, <laughs> so I just go and come back as fast as I can. Well, you're I probably actually doing that just in case you get stuck in there. You have a way to call for help. Yeah, help! <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. That would be bad. That would be bad. Um, let's see. Any other questions? No, no present ones. Um, I had a question. I forget uh, what it was. Oh, I do I want to read you something too. Oh, good. Story read, time. Uncle Mike. You know, it, people ask me, how do you, what do you think about when you say you are an Ironman? It means a lot to me because I know what it means to them. But it took me writing the book and Meredith will attest to this. I had it in my mind of what I wanted to say to people, what I thought about when I said those words. It took like a week or two to write this. I, I just, the words were in my head, but they were all jumbled up. But then I put this together. It said, you are an Ironman. It's not an endorsement of what you did today. It's a certification of what you become. It's the last step in a rite of passage that has changed you forever and stamped you as special. You are no longer among those who have never known the gratification of an immensely difficult task done well. You've stepped through a doorway and joined a very special, very exclusive club. And no matter how the rest of the, your life goes, you will always be an Ironman. Doing the race was your initiation. You, and I, you are an Ironman was your swearing in. And it, it really, the words mean different things to different people, but it, it is a certification of what they've done. 
but I see them become somebody else right in front of our very eyes. All the journey of their training, of making that commitment, of wanting to be fit, of wanting to be healthy. And they're, they're an inspiration because they're inspiring everybody around them just by being who they are and just by getting to the start line, let alone the finish line. So I, I think about that with every race and not with every call because it's, it's uh, I, I, but, I, but I think about it before every race. I love that. I love that. Okay, we've got a question from someone you might recognize. Todd. Oh, no. Come on, bring it on. Hey, Mike. Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. Hey, so I have a timely question for you. Assuming you have toilet paper, what's your preferred direction? Oh, geez, dude. Over the top or from are the you, bottom? Are you kidding me? <laughs> have you been asked that question before? That is the question. I, but, I, but I said it had to be an Ironman or triathlon related <laughs> well, question. That's you related. Brought, you brought paper. up the Porter Johns. Not a, not a wipe. Oh, you got me there. I brought up the Porter Johns. I'm not talking about wiping. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Well, who says I wipe after a porta john? I'm trying to get back on the microphone, huh? <laughs> Don't touch Mike Riley at the end. You know what? Now I'm going to go to the bathroom tomorrow morning and think about it. And I'm going to go, this is <laughs> This is uh, All right. So what's the answer? Over on the toilet paper or under? Like, which way? It depends if I go right hand or left hand. You figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> mercy. Never mind. Carrying on. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite book and why? Mike. Oh, gosh. Here it is. I'll bring both of them down. The Power of One by Bryce Courtenay. Uh, I read this book years and years and years ago. They actually made it into a movie. Bryce is, uh, lived in South Africa. Uh, went through apartheid and wrote a powerful, powerful book about overcoming incredible odds. It's an educational book, too. It taught me a lot of things about a lot of things. And in the book, there's a phrase that I've always used. It says, what you are is shout so loud that what you say need not be heard. Because people know who you are without you spouting a bunch of words. They, they, can, they can feel it. And... I was at Ironman Australia one year, and at the end of the award ceremony, Australia is just a wonderful Ironman. I told everybody, you know, what you are now, shout so loud that what you say does not need to be heard. You don't need to go out and brag about being an Ironman. It's who you are. Well, in the audience was uh, a, a friend of mine who came up to me afterward and said, you quoted Bryce Courtney. I said, yeah, I, I've read his book, Power of One, and a few of his other books. I love his writing. He goes, he's a great mate of mine. As a matter of fact, I work with him. He, he works at our advertising agency. Okay, you got to be kidding me. That, that's great. So the next year, I'm walking down the street. I see my buddy and a guy walking with him. And I walk up. I give him a hug. How you doing? Mike, I'd like to introduce you to someone, Bryce Courtney. I about dropped. He brought him to the race the next year. I broke bread with Bryce. We talked. He race day. And after the race, he sent me the combination of Power of One and Tandia and uh, wrote an inscription in here, wrote something to me that is probably one of my most cherished and prized possessions. 
because of what he wrote. Bryce is no longer with us, but he wrote The Potato Factory. He wrote Tomo and Hawk. He wrote Four Fires. He wrote some incredible, incredible books. So that, that's my favorite to this day. And uh, I, I, when I was uh, running sales departments, I would always have my salespeople read. Is this a sales book, Mike? No, just read it. Watch what happens to your ability to be able to talk to people. So that's my awesome. favorite. Very good. My second favorite is this one right here. The year of no nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> that was not paid. <laughs> that was, thank you. Send the check. <laughs> oh, all right. Does anyone have any questions? We probably have time for one more. Yeah, from come the, on. From the gallery. Come on, you guys. When do you have a chance to chit chat with Mike? Okay. Oh, if you can train six for. Here. All right. If you could train for and participate in an Ironman, which one and why? I bet it's Lake Placid. No, it's Kona. I bet it's Kona. <laughs> if I ever, if I ever do, it'll be Kona. And then, uh, but who would call me an Ironman? Me. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants. I'll to be in the Porta John. They can find me there. Somebody said you do it. You got to have this contest and give all the money to charity that they pay. I go. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to. I mean, the charity side would be fine, but there's, uh, you know, who would call me. An Iron Man. He's he's my chapter seventeen in my book. Actually, I'd love to have him, my daughter, and my wife on the microphone at the same time. They put up with me all these years. My goodness, Aaron was what four, and Andy was one or two, and when I started at this, and Rose has raised the kids when I've been gone all these time years. So they should they should do that. Yeah. Didn't and don't say forget I'm, the grandkids. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So what do you have to say? Let's wrap up with this question um, about perspective in this crazy world we're in right now and just how much suffering and, and trouble people are having. How do we remember to maintain our perspective? We live in our own insulated worlds. We always have. And now the world is opening up because we're seeing and having friends who aren't working and income's not coming in and and they're home and they're homeschooling their kids and they're trying to juggle a home office if they're still working and so it it's tough all over there's people who uh have don't have the financial means to to get through this and that's a huge stressor and and i can sit here and say oh come on stay positive be happy you know do all these things. And those are just words. But what you've got to do for yourself is know that if you take care of yourself and believe, truly believe there's a finish line in sight at the end of all this, we're on a long race. It's a long journey. It's a tough journey. As a matter of fact, this race course is all friggin' uphill. There's just no relief. And but I truly believe at the top of the hill, there's going to be a summit that we're going to get to. The when part is our hardest part. We have no idea. We don't know if it's, you know, June, July, August. We, we have no idea. So it, it, it's very hard. All I can say is you have people around you that are looking at you and to you for guidance. And you've got to stay strong for them. Uh, 
I have a pity party sometimes when I'm on my Zwift in the garage and I'm working and I start thinking about, God, I'm not going to be on a microphone. I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. I can't go see our friends. And, and I'll have this private little pity party and, and that's okay. And then I get off the bike and go, all right, you know, what, am I going to go in the house and be that way with my wife or get on FaceTime with the grandkids and be that way? No. So it, people are dependent on us. And now we all need to be dependent on one another. It's hard. It's, it's not easy. It's unprecedented. We've never seen this. Hope to God we never see it again. And, you know, if you have a higher power and you can pray to him or her, you do it. If you have someone who's your higher power in your life, you constantly talk to them. You, you get through this. But you've you got to stay strong on the inside because those outside External forces right now suck. So stay strong on the inside. You know, I can tell you to be positive and a lot of times to people, they're just words if they're wondering how they're going to pay their rent next month. Uh, so it's, it, it, there's no answers to that. Hopefully we'll get help and, and help will come our way, but it's not going to be 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, guys, our world and the endurance world, we're a, we're a tough lot. We, we've gone through a lot of things and gotten to finish lines that people told us we couldn't even get to, but we did. There's people out there that see, everybody wants to see everybody succeed in this and get well and be happy. I saw a quote the other day signing off. It said, be, be well, be safe, and be hopeful. And so that hope is going to get us to that finish line. Uh, and I can't wait. I cannot wait when we're all together at a finish line somewhere in the future. Man, is that going to be a party. As a matter of fact, maybe I'll just say, hey, we're going to have a 20-hour race. We'll put extra hours on it so we have even more, <laughs> more fun in the late hours. That's right. Then I could actually maybe come out of retirement if you gave me yeah. three hours. I probably okay. could pull it off in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had all night to do it. Well, Mike, I know that I speak for everyone when I say you are just a treasure, and I thank you so very much. I am going to unmute everyone, so everyone turn your volume down, because it's going to be loud, so we can all say goodbye to Mike. Oh, that's early. sweet. So, Bye, thank you, everyone. Bye. Say goodnight. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.